Lauren, by all accounts, is my oldest friend in New York, not by age, but by tenure of friendship, given all the people I've met in New York, because she and I worked together in late summer, early fall of 2004, and we were able to catch up yesterday for the first time, God, since 2005, 2015. I'm struggling today. This is like the second time I've recorded this intro. These intros are hard, especially because I had a tooth extraction in January for a failed root canal. And I just put this orthodonture thing into that big hole in the roof of my mouth. I can come up with lots of excuses. The point is, Lauren's the best. So enjoyable to talk through what she and her husband are currently working on, um, what she's been up to the last couple of years. I don't know. I just got lost in what she had to say. And I think that there's a chance that will happen to you as well. So enjoy. Music as always by Matthias DeWild. And remember to brush and floss so that your root canals don't fail in this time of COVID-19. Hello. Is this Lauren Lyons Cole? This is. Is this CK Sweat? It is indeed. I didn't know if you changed your name. Oh, um, I actually did. So who am I speaking with? It is weird. I kind of feel like I need to have two LinkedIn profiles because professionally I'm Lauren Lyons Cole, but I did legally change my last name to Salzburg. I like that. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It was very exciting. When I looked up your number in my contact to plug into Skype, it said in the notes, your oldest friend in NYC. Did I write that or did you write that? One of us must have. I'm not sure who did. Maybe it I was always a, call you. <laughs> it must have been a collaborative <laughs> effort. I think um, recently I was talking to Allie Wiseman, and I and because we both know you, and I was that's exactly how I described you. I said CK is my oldest friend in NYC, so maybe I wrote that. It's undeniable because you were you and I met. Um, it would either have been the last week of August 2004 or the first week of September 2004. And I met people in New York probably right around the same time, but I haven't talked to any of the other ones in years. Um, it cut off there for a second. So I heard last week of August and then haven't talked to any of the other ones in years. But I'm guessing you're talking about our political days. Yeah, just in terms of the people I would have met um, around the same time that I met you. Um, and yeah. you, you were the only one that stuck because back in 2004, to let the listeners get a sense of what we are discussing, um, you and I were fundraisers for a company that had been hired by the DNC. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a scam, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. We 
either didn't know it at the time or lied to ourselves at the time so that we didn't recognize. We were so young. We didn't know any better. We were babies. Yeah, but we were smart enough to not be blinded by the bullshit that surrounded it all. But we were some of the first ones to figure out that it was bullshit. So at least there's that. <sighs> and none of it would have mattered if John Kerry had won. But it was yeah, only true. in defeat did did we have to sort of face the fact that the operation that we were part of was mostly a for profit endeavor that the DNC unwisely was sponsoring um, to get contact info. Uh, and we were kind of scamming people out of their otherwise political donations um, because I don't think the DNC ever thought that uh, their field canvassers would be getting uh, upwards of $25,000 donations off the streets. <laughs> and having a good time doing it. One of my... Oh my uh, God most proud moments is just how successful you were. Um, I remember you doing pull-ups off of scaffolding to get money, right? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I would things. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fun times. I'm glad we've evolved since then. Yeah, we certainly have. And I don't think I've seen you since probably 2015. That's so sad. That sounds right. That's terrible. I Wait, think is that right? It might actually it might be, be right. 2000. You know what? No. When? Okay, how about this? It was either right when I got back from Brazil or did we do something for your financial literacy show? After, when would that have been? Oh, yeah. When was that? I don't know. That was probably, two, that might have been the last time I saw you, actually, because that's when you met Sean. Yeah, that that makes sense. That would have been 2015 or 16 then, probably. Yeah, something um, like that. And we went to the studio, and I put on a suit, and we did the interview, and you came by the house, and it was... It was wildly successful. That did really well, actually. Cool. I so, mean, I'm all credit to you. Um, no credit to me. Uh, you were always um, both a smarter and a harder worker than I have been. And that's such an interesting compliment coming from you. I don't think that's true. Uh, I mean, thank you, but you're definitely smarter. And I don't know anyone who works as hard as you do. You don't work in a conventional way, but that's what's so great about you. It's a, it's an interesting place of the economy to fit into um, that no longer has space for me, given the, the COVID uh, situation that we're all living through. Yeah, that's a, yeah. How's that affecting you? Uh, I'm in the event space and I get paid to show up to events and raise money at those events. And so um, I am not going to be making money until people can start having IRL <laughs> events again. Uh, and that could be, I'm, I'm anticipating uh, if things ever get back to normal, um, it won't be until spring 2021 or fall 2021 at the earliest wow is is right now usually a busy time this would you? be um this would be the busiest stretch uh of the right. year so um, that's that's unfortunate 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's less than ideal, but I just was uh, talking to Amanda. I got back from a run out at the track in the sunshine. I was listening to a Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. He's being interviewed by Kara Swisher. And mm. I just felt such a sense of gratitude that my savings, which you should be so proud that I actually have savings because you used to look at my I'm financials. I'm very proud. Um, I, I, my savings combined with unemployment benefits that should start coming in next week will sustain me likely through the beginning of 2021. Um, and I should be able to earn some income between now and then to keep me afloat. But with all this free time and no disposable income to kind of go off and fuck around because I can't go travel, which is what I usually did with my free time. I really have some opportunities to go into the figurative lab and learn new skills, come up with new ideas. I mean, you know, this podcast is an example of something that has come out of the, the surfeit of time that I have. Um, you're the 57th interview I've conducted since March 11th. And Aww. so prolific. See, I, you are a hard worker. Yeah, I mean, in a certain sense. Um, but I, you know, I was telling Amanda just how thankful that I am that I have all this forced downtime to work on new things. It's exciting. I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's, if you stop moving and sit and think, it's sad and this is, scary and so the only thing to do is just to you know stay busy and away from other people but using this time productively I think is a, a really good way to cope with what everyone's going through so what I would like to do at this juncture is for you to give us a eight and a half minute summary of who you are and why you are where you are right now Eight and a half minutes. No one's going to listen. That's so long. No, it, it, my audience prefers New Yorker length chunks of information. I like the New Yorker length uh, metaphor. Okay. Um, why I am where I am. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing that you and I maybe have in common is that we tend to follow our hearts. Yes, we and do. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't go to college and then graduate college with any sort of plan. Nope. It's not like I was like, this is what I'm going to be. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to achieve, which I know so many people in New York that are like that. I have a lot of respect for those people. They confuse me, <laughs> but um, I think I've just always been open to opportunities that have come my way, which has led me to get to do some cool things. And, and I hope continues to lead me to do cool things. Cause it's, you know, it's, I don't think that's going to change. I think if you're that way, it's just sort of the, the approach you take to life. Right. I completely agree. Yeah. So you went to school in Florida. Um, you're from Georgia. I'm from originally from Georgia. Yes. No accent, but N that no. is true. <laughs> and <laughs> there, there were some, did you go through a cheerleading phase ever? Okay. I am so glad that Netflix 
has created cheer and that everyone in the world is seeing what a very serious sport it is. And I feel as though that all of a sudden, the fact that I was a cheerleader, I was captain for two years, in fact, um, people actually respect that, especially in New York. People in the South respect that. But I think people up here are, you know, not that interested in that fact until cheer on Netflix. Is that what you're asking? Did you watch cheer? I loved it. It was an incredibly well done doc. So good. I really hope they do more. Characters were like so amazing. Yeah. And you know, the fact is what you learn about those who are successful in the cheerleading world is it just requires an incredible amount of discipline combined with presentation, which if you think about it, is a pretty good starting recipe for success in business, in a lot of different types of businesses. Yeah, I think that's true. I um, That's actually something as I was watching that I was thinking is that I hope all of these amazing kids, you know, because they're college kids, that they are able to kind of leverage the, the talent they have beyond cheerleading. Because I think all of them could be so successful in life. Like you're saying, they just have really good skills. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do actually think some of the early stuff I did in my career, like being a canvasser for the DNC was helped by that cheerleading background. Sure. You know how to talk to people. You have to be unafraid. You, you know, you have to be able to kind of draw people in and get them excited about something. Um, I think, I think those are skills that, that do serve you well in the business world. It's performative and it's serious. Because you're trying totally. to convince a crowd full of people to cheer. It's not cheering for the sake of cheering. You're like the goal of the cheerleader is to get an audience to, through their massive voices, inspire a team on the field. And if you can get an audience and a crowd fired up, then there's a lot that can be translated if done correctly to like a sales team or a development team. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, I think it's really interesting when the two are combined or synthesized in, in interesting ways. So we meet in canvassing, you go off to New Mexico to, and then back to Austin, not back to Austin. Then you're in Austin for a while and you return to New York. I want to say like in, 06, 07, 08. Does that sound about right? Yep, 06. It was September, no, August 14th, 2006. And what was your line? Were you working for yourself at that point or were you part of a bigger company? I was part of a small company um, that was like a continuing legal education company. I had an awesome boss who came to my wedding. Um, along September 14th, 2019. I'm sorry, I couldn't That's be there. I know your, your work, your work kept you away. It did. Um, actually, I feel incredibly fortunate that we got married last fall. I, I really feel oh for people whose weddings God. were planned now. I've had three friends cancel weddings in uh, oh. May and June so far. Terrible. It's brutal. Uh, brutal. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're back in New York city. Um, you're working for a company, you're loving life, you're in your mid twenties, you're absolutely crushing it. Um, and remind me how you pivoted from that into, uh, financial planning. 
it was sort of a lark. I just, um, I had always helped people with their money. It's, it's honestly one of my hobbies. Like I would do it and I do do it for free. I don't need to get paid to help people with their money. Um, and I didn't know it was a career option because again, I wasn't someone who like grew up in the Northeast, went to like, you know, really excellent college where they teach you that you can go into finance as a career path. It just didn't occur to me. I didn't know so, that finance was a career. I thought finance was doing your taxes. I had no fucking clue. Yeah. Right. Thank you for also not knowing. It seems like everyone up here already knows that. Like, no, I was a hick from Sacramento. Do. I didn't know. Sh I thought <laughs> banking was the teller at bank of America. <laughs> I mean, for a lot of America, for a lot of the world, that's what it is. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it is personal. It's your personal finance. It's not like a whole wall street kind of thing. I had no um, idea what Goldman Sachs was until I was like 24 years old. Oh yeah. I still, sometimes I'll tell people about it in Atlanta or like back from where I'm from. And they're like, I've never heard of Goldman Sachs, which yeah. is crazy, but true. Uh, uh yeah. So I, I decided that I, when I realized there was a career path, I decided that I would like to do that. And so I went to NYU, got some, took a few classes and then got to sit and pass the certified financial planner exam in November of 2008. So that was a wild time. Wow. To, uh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So were you in classes on September 15th, 2008? So I actually at that point was done with, I was still like studying for the exam, but I was done with my classes. I was working at a financial planning firm, which I started the Tuesday after Labor Day, um, 2008. So it was a very exciting time to be in finance. It was not what I thought it was no. going to look like. And I certainly learned a lot quickly. And were you working for that woman at the time that had made her name as one of the stars no. okay so we're not there yet in the narrative that was later that was i spent a year just at like a small wealth management firm in new york city um which was not a good fit for me because that that's a good job for a lot of people but the main thing that you do you know you might your your business like each financial planner might have 100 to 150 clients so i was at a firm with two principals so we i don't know we had a few hundred clients and mostly they were people with millions of dollars who would mail us checks and then we would mail the checks to the banks like it was it was an admin type role you didn't really feel like you were helping people so it was good experience but i quickly realized that was not what i pictured when i wanted to go into financial planning so i left and and tried to forge my own path in financial planning which included consulting for um, a company called LearnVest, which was right. a big financial planning site for women, um, among other things, though. And, yeah, what was that time like in 2009, 2010, 2011? Um, you know, how often were you working for yourself? How often were you part of a big company? You know, were you kind of straddling those categories? What was going on um, then? I remember during that time, um, it was actually, it, it's funny over the past few years, the number one thing people have been concerned about really has been more like politics. No one's really been worrying about their money because times have been relatively good. 
back in, in 2009 and 2000, like 2010, 2011, people were still really worried about their money. And so it was a good time to be in the business of giving advice about money because uh, there was always something to do. So a lot of what I was doing was working one-on-one with clients who are my own clients, um, you know, which was a different path than the wealth management firm. It was more like almost like being a money coach or a money psychologist where you work with people to help them maximize their money in a better way to set themselves up for financial security and success. Um, but I, that was also the time when I started to find out that the way to really make a difference and, and educate more people uh, was to do, was to work through media and through journalism. So I like slowly started to transition my business from one-on-one work to more like education and media work, which was really, um, really, I guess, satisfying because you could reach more people. And can you take us through, because when I say us, I mean me, I'm interested in this now. You became on-air talent. And that was something that, you know, going back to your cheerleading days, that you were really well prepared to maximize. Yeah, I got I got really lucky, I think, um, to get to do some of the things that I did on camera. Um, you know, I guess, I mean, I'm not an expert, so I didn't go to school for it. I was always an expert. Um, <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I was always an expert. Um, I I didn't appear like I, I appeared as a financial expert on television and online uh, video type things. Um, but that was it wasn't something I was trained to do. It was just something I think I, I was able to speak in short sentences and hopefully demystify some of the more complicated topics into ways that viewers at home could understand. And the way I always thought about it was if I get to go on the Today Show and talk about something really basic, like how to save money this summer, you know, how to lower your air conditioning bill, whatever, like things that may, might seem inconsequential. To me, it's just, it's a win to get on TV and talk about money anytime you can do it. Because so often on TV, we're watching like cheer on Netflix, you know, we're not really watching and thinking about our money. So if I can get in people's heads about their money and hopefully make them think like, oh yeah, you know what, I should really set up automatic transfers for my savings account, or I should increase my 401k savings. Um, That's like why I do what I do, because I want people to make those little small decisions, which add up to better financial success in the long run. And help me remember this correctly, because I'm just thinking back and it's all somewhat foggy. You were having success with these spots on like Fox Business and Today and Fast Company, but you were also, were you also working for LearnVest at that time or did these spots come after LearnVest? What was the intersection there? Oh, it was definitely after LearnVest. When okay. I was at LearnVest, I never represented them on camera. Um, I was helping them test their financial planning product that they later developed. So that was like one phase of my financial planning career. And that was, that was, I was never full-time or anything. I was just a consultant there. So I had, you know, I was, had very minimal involvement, I think, uh, relative to a lot of the other people that worked there. Um, the, the first time I ever went on TV to talk about money was July of 2013. And it was on CBS this morning to talk about like ways, like, good travel tips with your money. 
So, so cool. Nothing too complicated. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was a wild experience. CBS This Morning is like a really interesting uh, studio too because they have, it's a beautiful set. And they have their green room is like a glass room that overlooks the set. So you can kind of see what's coming. There's always celebrities there. So like it's, it's just it's a great studio. But the, but the craziest part about their studio that that the other places I've been do not have is they have a, just like a wall of monitors. <laughs> so you're on their set talking to their anchors. And if you look out of the corner of your eye, you just like you just see tons of video including video of yourself if you're the one that's like on camera at the moment it could be very very distracting and unsettling if you're someone who's not comfortable on camera but I love their set it's such a privilege to go anywhere but I, I particularly love going there and you know you leave Learn Investor, you're doing more of these spots and when we last saw each other 2015 you were developing your own show yeah that was um, in conjunction with The Street, which is a financial website originally uh, founded by Jim Cramer from the CBC Mad Money show. Of course. Um, yeah. And, much, and, and so the pilot that we filmed, you and I filmed, did super, super well. It debuted at like their um, upfronts, like whatever the upfront is for digital media, debuted there. People, it like was the second best performing video on the site for like the week that it debuted which is a big deal there since mostly what they cover is more like investing and stock oriented. And this was more of like a entertainment playful type show. Um, but then nothing really came of it. I think, I think the sales people, this is what people have always told me. It's actually kind of interesting. I don't know why this is, but um, it, it's really hard to sell an entertainment oriented personal finance show from what I understand from people who work in advertising at digital media places so, you know, I think a lot of the stuff they sell is more like, you know, HMR Block wants to sponsor someone giving tips about taxes, like very bland type stuff. But, I mean, you think of the success of Queer Eye and the Straight Guy and how, you know, a lot of people attribute that to saving Bravo. And, you know, everything that yeah. Bravo does now is the result of a consultant show about clothes. And it just strikes me that they miss an opportunity for you to do um, like a queer eye adjacent show for finance. You know, it's kind of like the, um, you know, smart, rich gal, or smart financial gal for the, the dumb, average finance guy. I mean, that's yeah, terrible yeah. branding I just said, but like, I'm, I, I think it's a lack of imagination that didn't work, especially given how well you say the, uh, the pilot. Did. I think this, I mean, it, there's probably a lot of reasons. I'm probably not the right talent for it. Maybe with the right person, it would, it would go, but I worked, I, I worked with another production crew who filmed a different pilot with a different, um, subject. Um, me and a guy who's a professional organizer. And so they tried to have us come in as a team, sort of Queer Eye style, where we like, you know, helped this person get everything together, like organize his house, organize his finances. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good pilot too. But I think what I've learned over however many years in digital media at this point now is that finance just, it's not very visual. It's, it's incredibly difficult. Like if you think about the articles you see that are about personal finance, so often people put a picture of like 
a dollar bill. It's yeah. very repetitive. It's very boring. There's not a lot, you know, whereas with Queer Eye, you see people actually physically transform and you get to see like them going shopping or having um, That's smart. their home yeah, you're decorated. Right. Yeah, right. unfortunately, huh? <laughs> my my Apple Watch uh, series weighing in and says she doesn't understand. She, she also <laughs> thinks that the personal finance should be a good show. I don't know. I also think that the demand for personal finance has been so low because we've been so preoccupied. We either need to like watch about politics or escape from politics, and I don't think that money fits into either of those categories at the moment. I, it could change, especially with everything happening in the economy yeah i mean we're about to enter a recession um i guess probably started in in q3 right i you know what to be honest i got a um i've gotten a few requests to go on cnn and talk about all of this stuff (gasps) recently and i just i and i i I just don't want to. Like it's it's just so <laughs> I sad. Just like, don't what am I gonna want to. <laughs> um, you know, fortunately, I've had other reasons. I I had to say no, so it wasn't like I was just saying no. But uh, it's it's just bad for a lot of people right now, and and it's so uncertain. Like that's the problem with with money is it can be so uncertain, and this is just no one knows. There's it's. It's so hard to predict. It's always hard to predict, but um, yeah, it feels like a particularly bad time in the world of finance. So personal take, finance. take me through, because I mean, this is so New York. It's actually, considering that you and I have been friends for 16 years, we've had gaps Aww. of like uh, four years before. I mean, this is not um, a huge surprise that uh, life uh, just didn't bring us together since that 2015 pilot. Uh, fill me in on what's been going on since then, aside from your recent nuptials. So I think I got pretty busy with work between then and now, which probably didn't help uh, in terms of us getting together and finding time to see each other. But, um, you know, I yeah, I've done... I've done a lot of things. I think the the most top of mind would be my recent nuptials, just because I can't believe I got married. And um, so happy it was for really you! Wonderful. It's Thanks. so cool. It's crazy. <laughs> the question is, when will you be next? Mm, good question. <laughs> Sorry, so, CK. All right. Um, so no, look, we're, we're I think what's friends. really special is, is, in New York, it's hard to do, but to the, find someone the, who just gets you. Because uh, New York is full of so many people who are really quirky and interesting. And that's what's amazing about living and working there and having friends in New York. But then it's hard to find that one person who's going to tolerate your quirky and who you can also tolerate their quirky. So I just feel, you know, really fortunate because I think Sean is the perfect match for me and like and vice versa. Like we just, you know, I think we're we really support each other. And I think a lot of the success, the more recent success that I had in my career was because of his support. And I just feel very grateful to have a partner like that. That's Um, awesome. I feel the same way about Amanda. I mean, she has been really, yeah, you know, especially the quirkiness is the front of it. Um, She just accepts me for who I am and it's kind of an oddball. Um, and, and you deserve that because if you had someone who tried to put you in a box, it wouldn't be good for you and it wouldn't be good for the world. No, it, it really, 
it, it just wouldn't work. Like, like I would have, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it, I just don't stay in boxes very long. Um, but no. you know, one of the huge saving graces for me, uh, over the last month has just been, uh, it's a cliche, but man has been my rock and she has been working her tail off, um, for the last five weeks. I mean, she's out in the main room. I'm in the closet right now recording this. Um, she's out in, in, the, in our studio apartment, uh, you know, just cranking away at, at she's a, works in interior design. And, um, you know, she still has some really big name clients that she's put together presentations for. Um, and so the regimented schedule that has been dictated by her work has given me uh, structure uh, in which to, you know, pursue my podcasting dreams. Um, you know, <laughs> and just to be with a woman that I love um, in this in this specific time. Um, I I can't think of anything that I have more gratitude for than her right now. I mean, she is she is um, she's been everything for me. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. You guys are so cute together. Yeah, she is. She is fucking adorable, um, and she's mm-hmm. just. And she's also just a lot of fun, right? Like, even though we've spent every single day together for the last, you know, thirty-five, forty days, we still make each other laugh. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, given um, how potentially stressful uh, that span of time has been. Oh yeah, that's so lucky that that you have that and that you can laugh. And uh, I mean, to be in the same room with one person for that long like it's a one room apartment it's a one room apartment it's a studio would you go outside at all like what's that like yes uh we i go outside probably every day um i'm not okay you know i socially distance when i'm outside if i'm not running like if we go to the store to pick up groceries i wear a um something covering my nose and mouth um Mm -hmm. you know we take walks and but i'm actually pretty happy in this studio it gets a lot of light um and it's yeah it's comfortable like i'm i am fairly happy being here um and i've i've been staying really busy doing this I mean, this is the third recorded conversation i've had today and i'm gonna have another one with a with a client uh later today so um as an organizing principle um it, it's kept me super sane yeah, so important. Stay busy. So important. So you know, getting back to you know, wh- you know how busy you've been over the last couple of years. What exactly are you doing right now? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, so everything is different, like so different. Um, literally everything, right? Because this our life right now is. I feel like I'm processing it in slow motion. Like I'm not going to understand what's happening for, I don't know, another year or something. It's just, everything is so surreal in a sense. Um, Sean and I, we got married and then we took, okay, back up a year ago um, in May of 2019, I was working at Business Insider, which was my favorite company I have ever been a part of, like absolute best possible job. Um, I got to do so many amazing things there. They, they, it's the kind of place where they just, (laughs) they like employ young people and 
they challenge them. And if you rise to the challenge, they'll challenge you again. And that's a really good environment for people like me. I think people like you, like we need to constantly be, be challenged and growing. Um, and I got to learn to be a manager there. Like it was, it was just a really amazing place, but I left, um, in May of last year Why? because yeah, I know why, why did I do that? Uh, it was, it was a really hard decision. Like it, um, yeah, it was so hard to tell people there that I was leaving. I'm still really close to a lot of the people who are there. Um, I left because I was ready. So I got to have this really amazing experience at, at Business Insider where we um, we got money from Facebook to launch one of those news shows. I don't know if you remember, like Anderson Cooper had one. Um, a lot of a lot of digital media companies had one. We had one. And there was um, kind of a, there wasn't really a person who could take that project on at the moment that it happened. So with zero experience in producing a daily television show, they gave me the opportunity to become nice. an executive producer. It was amazing. What, um, what, when was this? Was this 2017, 18, 19? So this, that happened in, it would have been like May of 2018. So two years ago cool. is when that transition happened. I was working and just doing like personal fi- I had like a team of personal finance reporters at the time and they were like look we need someone to do this are you interested I said yes I wrote a proposal they said great good luck <laughs> make it happen Badass. Um, it was really cool I mean that's the kind of place it is though uh, so I'm so grateful to have had that experience but what that gave me the chance to do was I took um, you know there's nothing like we didn't have we needed intro music we needed intro graphics we needed a team we needed like over 20 people to, to run this show and um with you know guidance from people above me i got like put that together and craft it i got to convince people to join the team i got to once the team was established i got to convince all of these really eager talented young people that we were going to work hard twice as hard as anyone else at the company uh, and they weren't necessarily going to get paid anymore but we were going to make something really awesome and within like I don't remember, maybe within like two months of launching, we were the number one daily news show on Facebook in terms of views, which was a huge accomplishment. And Congratulations. Then, um, That's so cool. Thanks. I, all credit to the team, right? Like as as the executive producer, you kind of just keep things running. I, I yeah. like I just had the most amazing people on this team. Um, and then after that, my, my number one goal, which my team all knew was that we wanted to beat Anderson Cooper in terms of number of followers on our page, which I think it was like four months into the show, we passed him. And uh, we had like, someone on my team bought a candle with like, you know, it was like one of those Catholic candles, but it had Anderson Cooper's face. And so it was the candle <laughs> and had a big celebration. That um, is so perfectly weird. It was so weird. It was great, though. It was, I mean, just, just the best people on that team. Uh, a lot of them are still there doing the show. But I, through that experience, I think what it taught me is I love building things from scratch. I love like getting people excited about a project. And that project got to a place where it was launched, like it was doing really well. The team could carry on without me. I felt like I had less of a role. I was getting, you know, I had less and less opportunity to learn or to um, just, I, I guess, in some ways, maybe I just also needed a new challenge. So. Um, after a lot of consideration and talking to Sean, we decided that we were going to work on something together. Cool. And, and that this was May 2019. Left, this is May, so like almost a year ago. Left, 
he and I started working on some things. We also spent a lot of time working on our wedding, um, which is, it takes so much more time than you realize it's going to take. And not just our wedding, but then planning our honeymoon, which was, we spent three and a half months traveling after we got married. It and was that amazing. Took a lot of time. I followed along via social media and you did it exactly right. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I, uh, it's funny because sometimes I think you travel and you're like ready to come home. But I, I really, I think that we did just the right amount of time and just the right amount of like moving around. We started in Singapore, went to Thailand, then we went to New Zealand, then we went to Australia. So it was like, you know, not a huge number of countries, but enough to where you got a good variety and then also enough time in, in the various places that we felt like we got a sense of, um, of each of those places. And it was a truly amazing trip and we were working. It's not like we were just vacationing. We were, we were working on our project together. And can you tell us what that project is, or is it still under wraps? So that project happens to still be under wraps, um, which is, yeah, it was just, so that's in the personal finance kind of world. Um, It's, it's like kind of my own passion project. And it's going to be extra needed when the dust settles from all of this. So I know talk about good timing for you. It's good timing in a sense, but it also feels so much more high stakes, which is causing me anxiety, which is a different conversation. Um, but, but here's the thing, here's the crazy thing that happened. So while we were gone and we're working on this, um, so I don't think you're going to know anything about this. So I'm excited to catch you up. Um, Sean is super creative. He's like software engineer by training, but went to the MIT media lab. He's incredibly smart, like really one of those people, um, who like to relax, he needs to create and, and he doesn't he's like, like an inventor and an engineer. Uh-huh. And he, he just got one of those brains that, that makes the uh, stuff of the world around him. Totally. He always has ideas too. Like he'll see a problem in the world. Uh, and, and like, it's, he's very passionate about like, um, sustainability and, and making the world a better place. And so he'll just see something and be like, you know, he, like, here's a cool way we could, we could like, I don't know, like reduce hurricanes in the world. It's just crazy. His brain is crazy. Um, so unrelated to that, he happens to have a game business where he creates and manufactures like educational games that are family friendly. Um, it was also like a passion, passion project that, that started for him in 2016. He had a Kickstarter that was successfully funded. Um, now he has four products, a word game, a math game, and uh, like a junior word game, and then this really amazing puzzle book, which uh, evolved out of an online puzzling society that the New York Times wrote about I back in the that. day, like 2011. Yeah, super cool. And, and everybody um, involved in that has special brains, I feel like. Yeah, they're really smart. Like their brains work in really smart ways. If, if you're part of this sort of puzzling society, it's pretty cool. It's not how my brain I, works, and I'm always no. um, slightly envious of those who can um, navigate puzzles uh, with a certain amount of natural aptitude. Same. Totally agree. And Sean is not just navigating them. He's like creating creating them. Yeah. It's well, actually the puzzling book is not written by him. It's written by this mysterious other person that Sean, you know, assists along with a few other people. It's a long story. I always (laughs) tell it incorrectly. So you'll have to have him on the podcast. I can't wait. (laughs) Um, but the cool thing is while we were in Australia, uh, around, we were there for Christmas and new year's and, and a couple months after that, 
his math game like blew up. It just all of a sudden it's on, if you Google, if you go to Amazon and search for math games, it's Amazon's choice for math games. It's called proof and it's a really great game. Thanks. So in conjunction with some of these other things, it's suddenly his game passion project turned into a full-time business for both of us. And did that happen during your honeymoon? Like did that inflection point uh, strike when you guys were gallivanting around Singapore? We started to see it. We started to see a glimmer of it in like August before we got married. And we were like, huh, you know, the the game revenue is kind of steadily increasing. That's interesting. And by December, by the holiday season, we were like so busy and so, um, you know, just like, oh, we have to put all of our attention onto this that we that's what we did. We had to sort of table the other project. We're still doing things, but not as fully focused on that, of course. Um, and we're, we're focused on growing his business, which is called the master theorem games. And now that we're married, it's also my business. And, uh, it's weird because I've been doing personal finance for a decade. And now all of a sudden I'm trying to learn how to like optimize listings for Amazon and how to expand to other online marketplaces like walmart.com or other international, um, you know, we're trying to sell in other countries, which is pretty cool. So it's, it's like sort of related to personal finance. I feel like it uses similar parts of my brain, but it's a totally different world. And that is actually what I have been doing for 2020 so far. You have been a game marketer, a game yeah. that you own with your husband. It's really, it's also surreal. Like, like my life feels so different now. But you love new general. challenges. I mean, because think about I the do. fact that in May of 2018, you signed up kind of out of nowhere to executive produce a show that was going to be competing with Anderson Cooper on Facebook. And so for you to start from scratch and figure something out and have it result in a candle bearing Mr. Cooper's face be <laughs> melted in celebration, like that is the trajectory that you are used to navigating. I really do. I like feeling like I'm not qualified for something, but that if I work hard enough, I can figure it out. I think, I think I have one of those like chips on my shoulder, you know, in that sense. Do you ever have imposter syndrome? Um, I, I think I, I don't relate to it in the typical definition of it where either do I. I. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But, but but wait, so here's where I interpret imposter syndrome as someone who like went to an Ivy League university or something who's like obviously on paper really well qualified but still doubts himself. And I think of myself as a little bit scrappier. Like I went to the University of Florida. I didn't like I don't know if I qualify for imposter syndrome. I think that imposter syndrome is a little bit more capacious than you're making it out to be. I think it's anybody who enters a role that they, for reasons usually having to do with insecurity, uh, they don't feel qualified to be inhabiting. And so, you know, the reason why I don't think I have imposter syndrome is because I've been on stage with so many a-list celebrities in the last number of years. And at no point did I ever think to myself, boy, 
you really don't deserve to belong. You know, you don't belong here. Mm. You, you don't deserve this. Like, it just, the way my brain works is, well, somebody has to do this. Like, somebody needs to be the auctioneer at this event. It might as well be me. And so I am never seeing myself through a lens of, you don't deserve this. You you shouldn't be here. The, you you have just faked it and faked it and faked it. Uh, and like I, I just I never feel like an imposter. But when I hear other people talk about it, I can intellectualize what it is. Especially because I don't feel it when perhaps I should have over the years. Yeah, yeah, I, me too. I'm not sure why. I, like, why? Yeah, why don't we? have that probably just how we're all wired yeah i'm just really curious and excited and i always think like oh this will be a fun thing to try i guess maybe also i i'm really not afraid of failure like either am i you know or the or here's another way i like to describe it like i because sean doesn't like to get his hopes up he's he's like let's keep our like expectations realistic and that way we won't be disappointed and i love to get my hopes up. I love to get excited. And if things don't work out, I just think, okay, no problem. I'll get excited about something else. Like I'll move on to the next thing. So I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just like, we just get one life. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I failures all the time and they, they don't keep me down very long. I, I think that there is a Uber resilience that you and I both share in terms of, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, you know, if it doesn't work out, so what? I mean, there's worse things. There's a lot worse things in the world. Yeah. Just, like, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of failure. It could be worse. It could be worse one day. Like, who knows? But yeah, you have to keep things in perspective, I guess. So you are now, what is your title? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, and this is why I feel like I need to have link to LinkedIn because I'm still Lauren Lyons Cole, like, personal finance expert, certified financial planner. I'm still doing those things. I do have clients like, you know, I I do like speaking engagements, whatever, uh, media, whatever. But I'm also Lauren Salzberg, president and COO of the Master Theorem Games. Um, Yes. Which basically means like there's two of us and we do everything between the what, you know, he does all the creative. I do the more analytical. Um, I'm the one who's like, making our financial spreadsheets, figuring out digital advertising and figuring out how to optimize listings. Like basically anything that is like more business oriented is me. Anything that's more creative uh, is him. I, I mean, love Sean's it. been doing it all for a while. Like Sean can do all of it, but I'm just picking up the things that I like. And I think that I can contribute in a positive way too. How many hours a week right now are you working? Uh, that's a good question. You know, we are in quarantine and some days are harder than others. So some days it's like all you can do is eat gummy bears and wait for the nighttime so you can go to sleep. Um, have you had and, days like that? Yeah, totally. I oh, mean, I haven't had a single really day like hard. that at all. I've had days. Okay, that's good. I think that you're maybe lucky that you get to get outside every day. I, I don't get to necessarily do that every day. And why is that? It's partially because I don't like to run outside when it's under 60 degrees. Okay. And we have not, there's been, 
one day I think where it hit 60 and I totally went for a run and I was so happy that day, but if it's 48 degrees and also, so I'm not in New York right now, we are in, we are out on Long Island with Sean's family. And so I don't even have like my warm running clothes. You know, it's like, I can't even really do it unless I buy stuff online. Um, so I can look out the window every day. We go for drives sometimes, but, but it's you're not, not going outside at all. Not as, not nearly as much as I need to for my personal mental health. Like being in Australia in January and February was so amazing. I felt like I skipped winter in New York. Like it was sunny there. I got to be outside all the time. And now, you know, we're like stuck indoor. It's just, this is definitely not, not my style. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm happy. I'm watching TV. I'm getting to read, whatever. I like, I have to be outside. I need to be around people. Um, so some days are hard, but, but not all days are, you know, most days are great. Is it just for boating? Is it like sort of a house rule that, Hey, we don't go for walks. Uh, it does. It, it's not really a house rule. Like we can go for walks. I think people have different levels of comfort. Yeah. I mean, that makes understandably sense. So yeah. Yeah. And we do have Sean's parents are here, you know, so they're higher risk and we need to, we need to be really careful. No, I um, I, I totally get it. I mean, you know, our mutual friend, Allie Wiseman, I think is out East also. Um, and you know, like I, I think that, you know, they, they've been able to keep away from people, but I can see how, you know, you really have to be, um, cognizant of the other people that you're sharing a space with. And so yeah. your decision-making tree is a lot different if you're under the same roof uh, as older people or pregnant people or, um, you know, people with pre-existing conditions. Like I probably wouldn't have the same, um, I wouldn't call my attitude cavalier, but I, I went for a five mile run today. I'm so jealous. <laughs> that sounds great. Is there any, thought about do you guys have an apartment in the city or do you not even have an apartment no no we do we do we just we left um i don't know march 12th we've been out here over four weeks at this point uh tomorrow's five weeks do you want to come so, back is it time to come can we get you back in the city am i, 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 I yeah, giving you terrible I, advice like i mean i'm talking to you in a closet it's, right now but i'm part of me is um horrified that you're not getting outside i'm worried for you thank you i'm worried for me too um but i mean it's gonna get better the weather will get better i i don't think it probably doesn't make sense to go back to new york at this point just because it, like same with the economy everything is so uncertain we're yeah. out here we're safe we have food um you know yeah i mean we're, yeah the goal is actually after we after this i'm going to go outside so the goal is to go outside every day a little bit okay but good. i just can't go running if it's too cold you know, yeah no, i get that that's how that is too good <laughs> i'm glad it's not just me no because if it's too cold and she runs it hurts her lungs and then she has almost covid like symptoms like she oh. will start coughing and she'll feel sick um, which is one of the reasons why uh, we didn't end up in Jackson because it's much colder, uh, you know, at 6,000 feet in Wyoming. Uh, and, you know, she was like, well, I'm, I don't get to exercise there. And I was like, I go for runs when it's like 15 degrees. Like under 10 degrees, I won't go running, but I can, I can run just fine in 12, 13, 14 degree weather. Yeah, that's impressive. I just don't, I'm not sure what's wrong with me. I don't have the symptoms like, like she does, but I just, my, I just get cold. Yeah, I mean. I'm just. That's fair. A win. It, you know, as somebody who's 
currently in Brooklyn um, two weeks ago. So, um, you know, Wednesday two weeks ago, we were certain that we were going to be leaving New York. Um, you know, right around like mm. March 30th, April 1st, um, we thought that things were going to just get exponentially worse here. Uh, we didn't think that there was you know, any flattening of the curve. I was worried about uh, violence in the streets, about social unrest. I mean, these were things that were informing all the decisions I was making. And we had three different flights out of LaGuardia that were going to take us to Sacramento. Uh, we were going to pick up a car and then drive to uh, Jackson, which is like a 13, 14 hour drive. We had three different flights that were all canceled. And so we bought tickets to leave New York and weren't able to do it, uh, which is all wow. to say that we were desperate to get out of New York. And when it just ended up not working out because of flight cancellations, we just kind of accepted our fate. And then as early as last week, things just kind of normalized. Like the death rate plateaued. I mean, it's still a lot of people. It's still really scary. But it, you know, at first it was like 10 people died overnight, and then it was 40 people died overnight, and then it was 140 people overnight, and then it was like 250, and then it was 500, and then it was 850. And those numbers were so scary, but then it plateaued. And there was not a sense of, hey, it's going to get worse. It's like, well, if it's this bad now, there's still plenty of food in the grocery stores and we're i mean we go to the grocery store probably four or five times a week oh wow just There's, to like buy what you feel like that day or why yeah, often because you know we're, we pick up fresh food and you know fresh produce amanda makes um all of our dinners um we're just plowing through the food you know it's one of those mm. things where um, we're just we kind of amazed at how quickly and it's not because we're eating a ton, but I think it's you know when you live in Brooklyn, it's not like you take a shopping cart and push it into the parking lot outside the grocery store, fill up your minivan, get to the house, and then take three trips carrying grocery bags from the minivan to your house. And it's not like That's I have a true. bunch of places to store food in my apartment because you know. We already did a bunch of rearranging to fit Amanda in here and, and the food, but you know, it, it just we feel totally comfortable going to the grocery store every single day to pick up ingredients for dinner. That's really good. I mean, it's good that you feel comfortable. A hundred percent being able to do that. Like yeah, like at the, at this stage. Zero, you know, because when we leave the house, our faces are covered. We're taking full precaution. And the grocery stores, like, people wait in line if you want to go to Whole Foods, but there's plenty of other good grocery stores in Williamsburg. And so, you know, it's kind of an end-of-the-day walk. It's a couple blocks away. It's really quite nice. And, you know, like, I'm glad the grocery stores are doing business. I mean, they're going to be working there regardless if we show up or not. And I'm happy that they're doing well. And then Amanda is a phenomenal cook, and so we eat really well. That isn't it weird. Do you get takeout anymore? I mean, we had I had bagels today for the first time in like over a month, and it was the first thing, like the first takeout style thing I've had in over a month, and it was so delicious. <laughs> Even though I'm eating amazing food, but it was like, oh, I remember this where like someone else made food that's really good and I get to eat it. And I didn't, all I did was like put cream cheese on the like, bagel. It was, it was, it was a luxury that I thoroughly enjoyed. We are still frequenting two local coffee shops for coffee. For, for coffee, just yeah. for coffee? Just so for not coffee. For... In, huh. in, I'd say in the last 
let's say 38, 39 days, uh, there have been only three meals we have not prepared. Yeah, it's kind of nice, right? I mean, it's something that's so counter to how I've lived uh, the last 16 years of my life where I didn't cook yeah. at all. I mean, didn't cook at all. And now everything is cooked. And, you know, for lunch today, I took some of the leftover farro from last night. I put it in a pan with two eggs, fried them up, chopped up some uh, bell pepper and some carrots and just mixed it all together. And was it delicious? No, but it was functional. It was healthy. <laughs> it gave me the energy, you know, to, you know, since I finished dinner, I've been on, uh, you know, on these podcast interview calls nonstop. I mean, you know, going on two hours now. And I, and I love it. And so I, I feel fueled and that was right after my run. Um, but it, I'm, I don't want to say I'm shocked by your current situation, but it's just, it's so different than what you hear about people who go to the suburbs and have all this space and have a huge yard. And like, like the suburbs are supposed to be the ideal compared to the cramped confines of the city. That's so interesting. You're right. That is, yeah, I guess that is like, I'm sure if I was in the city right now, like being able to hear the person above me walk around and uh, like, you know, living in like a, a box of an apartment, I would wish that I had a yard. Uh, but it's not that simple. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of people out here. If you, if you do go for a walk or you go running, you see people, I guess now we're going to have to start wearing masks maybe. Um, so I don't know. I mean, whatever. I literally have nothing to complain about, you know, at all. Um, but it's just, it's still a hard time, I think, no yeah, matter which but, part of it you're dealing with. But it, it, for me, it goes back to, you know, just how long I've known you and the parable of the gummy bear day, right? Because, <laughs> you know, there are going to be some rough days. And I think I've had two really kind of rough days um, in this time. And one of them, I spent most of the day in bed reading The Goldfinch, which was great. Uh, and the other, I mean, this is so different from what you're doing. The other, I downloaded Audible. I subscribed to it. I got Malcolm Gladwell's most recent book. And mm -hmm. I walked from Williamsburg, across the Williamsburg Bridge, across the Manhattan Bridge, back to Brooklyn, uh, you know, like s almost seven miles and listened to 90 minutes of Malcolm Gladwell narrating his book. Like that was, that, that sounds was, like a dream. That was my off day. I mean, that was the day that I woke up and just knew that I couldn't be in the apartment in front of my computer trying to be productive. And so I just covered my face, um, you know, got bundled up, uh, downloaded the book and basically spent time with Malcolm Gladwell for 90 minutes while going for, you know, a nicely paced walk. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. It was, it was, and I felt really productive too, because then I didn't have like the hangover of uh, a wasted day. Cause I was like, oh, it, this yeah. was kind of like reading and you know, it, the sun was shining and it was brisk and it was, it, 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 and then it kind of got me set up for the next day too. Um, Cause every day is, I mean, Amanda's been working so hard. She worked all last weekend. Um, and so, wow. it, you know, having her so focused on her projects is, you know, we've been a team and I've been able to focus on my projects as well. I think that's a really good suggestion for anyone who's having a down day. Just download an audiobook and go for a walk. Cover it up, bundle it up, whatever. Um, that's a lot more productive than, than gummy bears. I don't even like gummy bears. I right? honestly don't. I have no idea why that is my 
my thing in quarantine. I it's so it unlike you because you're such a go getter. You're so self motivated, and you know, like you have a company with your husband that you're crushing. Like you're doing so well and you're learning so much, but I get it at the same time how stressful all of this is. And given the circumstances of, you know, your day-to-day life, like it, it makes sense that you'd be facing these challenges and you'd have off days. It, and I have to say this too, like we were traveling for three and a half months, which was an amazing opportunity and privilege, but we got back to New York in mid-February and I hadn't even finished catching up with people. I had, you know, like lunch dates scheduled out. People I was supposed to see. It's like I didn't see any of my friends for months. And now I still can't see any of my friends. And, and seeing just people in general is really important to me, too. So I think, I think that's been hard on top of it all, you know. And, what and, whiplash. That is whiplash yeah. right there. You guys were living the life in Australia. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Because I, I you were it. working, but you were also traveling, which gave your days purpose and structure, but it was also an adventure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, I've done similar things. It's incredible. Like, it's the height of being alive. It really, yeah, we felt so alive. And we were like, when we get back to New York, we're going to do things, you know, like, like w- when we were in Australia, we were doing things we would never do in New York, like going to like outdoor community event type things. Where, oh, yeah, you know, it's the in best. New York, you would you just stay home in New York. Because when you're yeah. abroad, every day you see through the eyes of a child. And so it's full of wonderment and you're so engaged. You don't take anything for granted. Totally. It's like you, you and you know, it's finite. So you're like, all right, I have three and a half months I'm gonna like I don't want there's no down days when you're traveling for three and a half months you just every day you're out there like living your best life uh so yeah it was great it was really great and and we flew back to New York and and when we flew back it was I think it was like February 10th February 11th and you know obviously other like world leaders knew what was going on but at the time we were like oh whatever coronavirus like you know there was a little bit of it in Australia Not a clue. We didn't know we were coming back to at all. I mean, nobody knew, right? But it was, we were like, oh, yay, we're going back to New York. We can't wait to be in our own apartment, sleep in our own bed, see our own friends. Um, and here we are. So, uh, yeah. Do you have a plan going forward? Like, do you have, hey, on this date, we're doing this, or is it still kind of all a bit murky and uncertain? You know, it's funny. Do you mean like in terms of go- like transitioning back into the city or just or like anything. on this day we have this work meeting or whatever? Like, um, like, like how mapped out are you? Like, do you have a launch date for your new company that, you, that you're going to start working towards? Do you have a, a leave date? I mean, like, I'm just, I'm super curious to know what you actually have scheduled that you feel is pretty rock solid. You know, what's weird is when I put things on, on what I've learned is that putting things on the calendar actually doesn't necessarily help me. I think what's nice about all of this uh, is kind of waking up and, and seeing what's going on in the world today. What do I need to do in the world today? And, and then, and then tackling those things rather than feeling like, okay, on this day, we're going to launch this thing or on this day, I'm going to achieve this task or whatever. Um, so I was scheduling things at first and now I'm finding a little bit more because every day is the same day. So groundhogs day. working on it. <laughs> so it's crazy. So it really it's is. like, you know, sometimes maybe you're going to work on a Sunday night, maybe Tuesday in the morning, you're going to read a book instead, you know? So I feel like actually we really don't have anything scheduled and we're just, 
hoping but I, I don't know. We're just we're just kind of waiting. It's like we're all in this waiting game right now. So yeah, we don't really have. We're not going to launch the the project that we're working on. Um, we're in some waiting. Like we've got some paperwork filed that we're waiting to get back, and so some of that is like, oh you yeah, know, we're not going to launch that until <laughs> summer, or whatever. Yeah, paperwork That's is kind of all on hold right now. Totally right. Exactly. So you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But with the game, the game is just sort of a day in and day out thing, and once once you know you've got this business it's like doing relatively well considering it is in the retail space and so who knows because retail sales have been down massively oh. in general and could continue Blood to decline bath. totally it's the worst on record like the yeah. uh in in march there was an 8.7 percent decline in retail sales the worst in the three decades they've been tracking this uh worse in the recession so we're just kind of watching it and waiting where, you know, it hasn't really affected us yet, but I think it could any minute. Um, so in the meantime, though, it's just a matter of like diversifying, like, okay, we're selling a lot on Amazon. That's great. We sell to wholesale. So our, our, his games are in stores across the country. Where else can we put these games to try to get in front of new bar- markets to try to make sure that people are finding and buying our games uh, so that the business continues to grow, which is, so that's mostly what we've and Sean is developing new games. So it's yeah, so that's why I want to. Grow. When will Sean launch uh, an epidemiology game? Oh my God, I know. Um, uh, we have talked about we've we've explored a lot, right? Like, what are different areas we can expand into? Whatever. Um, I think that we are not the right people, and I think you can attest to this. We are not like zeitgeisty enough to be able to take advantage so instead we're like let's just stick with what we're good at the next game will be another math game he's also working on another puzzle book like those are our best sellers we know we can continue to do that really well but isn't epidemiology all math uh we i mean i I don't know probably but and if anyone you know what he could probably do an uh a puzzle like he could probably incorporate something. In fact, I think he was talking about that actually. It, it makes um, so much sense. I know that there's this AI company uh, called Data Miner, a Data Miner, um, which has yeah. been able to really, through AI, has been able to predict where uh, outbreaks are going to happen based on like social media posts. It's like, and I, it's so math in uh, math and AI directed and like. I, I I think really smart people who are good at puzzles are the ones who are um, most qualified to confront this, and so I'm just like I want I want Sean to be part of the solution. Yeah, I'm sure he would love to be too. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll mention that to him. I don't think we'd create a whole game around it, but what's that game? There's a game called Pandemic. I've never played it, but um, I have this app that allows me to see how well products are selling on Amazon because I use it for research and for our own company. Um, but that game pandemic is selling a lot right now. Games in general are actually selling pretty well at the moment because everyone's stuck at home and they need things to do. So um, it's a good idea, but we're just going to stick with what we know. It's like we make like math games for like elementary school or middle school kids. That's fair. Yeah, I get so excited. Um, it's like, ah, I, w- I want to, I mean, have you seen the movie Contagion yet with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow? And, and no. It, if you get a chance to watch it, it's actually really well made. Um, 
super well written. Uh, one of the consultants on it was a guy named Larry Brilliant, who was part of the team that helped eradicate polio from the face of the earth. Um, and Soderbergh is just hmm. a great filmmaker, uh, just very smartly done. I think prescient is probably the best word to describe it. Um, but yeah, I, watch that, and then you and I, in like a week or two, need to jump on another call because I like it, we've been talking now for seventy minutes, and I have so many other things I, I know, want to you're talk to you edit about. This right? No. Not, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, God. All, all I do is go in and clean up the audio uh, on my end because um, the microphone I use is so sensitive that it picks up all the little creaks of me being in a chair um, and kind of shifting around here in the closet, uh, which I can't fix when I'm talking. But for the chunks of time where you are, uh, I bring my volume down to zero. And that's that's all I do in terms of the audio. Yeah, smart. All right. Well, hopefully this wasn't uh, too much of just two friends catching up. Yeah, but um, who cares if it is? Like, like yeah. I mean, this is my organizing principle, right? Like, this this for me then falls into the basket of 71 minutes worth of work combined with the additional 25 minutes it'll take me to uh, edit and post it. Like that makes me feel productive. True. It's like so, right? I mean, it's, I mean, and think about this now, like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, you'll have an audio um, snapshot uh, recording of what you were thinking in mid-April 2020. How cool is that? It's like a time capsule. Very cool. Right. Very cool, CK. Yeah, it's a great project you're working on, even if like no one else cares but us. <laughs> that's and that's kind of what's nice about the domain and range. Like when I first started thinking through what I want to do with my my time, um, there were some things that I w- was trying to uh, manifest that required um, partners and other people with certain skill sets to, to collaborate and I, I'm just not a good leader I'm not a good executive producer I'm not a good manager like it needs to be the CK sweat show um, because I have a really hard time convincing people to work on things with me for a sustained period of time um, but all this takes is a friend saying yeah I'll talk to you for uh, an hour and then then me going about it and there's given you know how um unbusy a lot of people have been you know it hasn't been an issue uh getting people signed up to chat i'm so inspired i didn't think about it that way i really like that it's it's just and it's getting me through like just day to day my happiness is getting me through and think how important that is you know for my relationship you know i need to be in a good mood to be supportive to amanda who's getting crushed at work and so like I'm going to just be, in, I'm going to walk out of this closet literally, not figuratively, I'm going to walk out of this closet literally with a big old smile on my face and go over and kiss my beautiful girlfriend who's getting crushed at work. And I'm going to have that spirit because I just talked to an old friend for 75 minutes and we covered a lot of ground that I probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for this podcast. Like that's my saving grace. Totally. And it's so important. We like, we need to connect with each other in this time. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it's definitely, I am the same. I'm going to leave this podcast and I'll have a huge smile on my face. I don't think I'm going to eat any gummy bears tonight. So thank you for that. No more gummy bears. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to check in <laughs> on you uh, very shortly. 
and um, there, there's a whole bunch of other things I want to talk to you about that we just didn't get to, um, but uh, I'm going to put those up for the Time Capsule podcast also. Love it. Well, thanks for having me on your oh. real, real podcast. Thank you. And please give Sean my love. Uh, I'm so proud of both of you. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys in person uh, very soon. Likewise. Say hi to Amanda. I will. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.